We are in week five of our series entitled Everyday Jesus, and we are looking at the life of Jesus, hopefully to learn how Jesus went about his mission. And the mission of Jesus, we've been talking about it all afternoon in our music and the liturgy. Um, Jesus' mission was to, to bring broken and fallen humanity to the Father, to see reconciliation, to see redemption from our sins, to see us reconciled with our Father. Now, oftentimes when we talk about the mission of Jesus and what Jesus did, really when we talk about the gospel, um, oftentimes we think of that as Jesus' death. Uh, I, I know for myself, um, oftentimes years ago, if someone had asked me about the gospel or I had to explain the gospel, the, the shortest version for me would have been Jesus died for my sins. And sometimes that's where we land is on the death of Jesus. Maybe we add, Jesus died for our sins and on the third day he was raised from death. But, but we leave out a really big part there and that is the life of Jesus. What about how Jesus lived? We, we are not only forgiven of our sins when we believe in Jesus, that is good news, but the righteousness of Jesus is granted to us as if it were our own righteousness. And the righteousness of Jesus is what we see in his life. Jesus lived perfectly. That, that doesn't just mean, as maybe sometimes we think, that Jesus was a morally upright person or that, that Jesus didn't say anything wrong, right? Like Jesus never lied, Jesus never cussed, and so that was it for Jesus. But really what it means is, yes, he, he was a morally upright person. He was perfect in every way there. But it also means that Jesus spent every minute... In fact, every second of every day that he was alive, he spent doing exactly what his father wanted. That's the life of Jesus. Not just that he didn't do certain things, but that every minute of his life was lived exactly as God wanted it to be. When we talk about the, the perfect life of Jesus, for example... Sometimes Jesus rested, right? Jesus rested perfectly. Like he rested to the glory of God. Everything that he did, he did perfectly. We saw that Jesus celebrated perfectly. We talked about that in this sermon series, that Jesus celebrated the wedding at Cana. Jesus celebrated life and, and the, the good things that God gives us in life. Jesus celebrated it perfectly, and he celebrated it perfectly with his friends. We, we saw last week that Jesus ate, and, and yes, Jesus even ate perfectly. Jesus ate perfectly when, when he ate with, with, with intention. When Jesus ate with sinners, he was doing exactly what the Father wanted him to do. This week, as we continue to look at the life of Jesus, we see that, that Jesus got thirsty. Jesus got thirsty, and, and even, even filling that need in his life, he did perfectly as one sent by the Father. 
Jesus got thirsty. That's what we're talking about. Our passage is John chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 1 through 42. John chapter 4, let's start out by reading some of those verses. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So let's pause there for just a second. The first thing that I want to point out in this, in this text is the obedience of Jesus. Jesus is obedient. We read that Jesus departed from Galilee, uh, for Galilee, from Judea. Now, when he was going, there were a couple of different routes that went from, from, from Galilee to Judea, Judea to Galilee. One of those routes was well-traveled by the Jewish people, um, and, and it avoided Samaria. One of those routes, the most well-traveled by the Jewish people, avoided Samaria altogether. Now, why did that route avoid Samaria? It wasn't the shortest route. It wasn't the easiest route. There was animosity that existed between the Hebrew people and the Samaritans. The, the short of it is they didn't like each other. They really despised each other. Why was it that way? Um, I want to quote from John Piper here because he summed it up so well. After the Assyrians captured Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel, this was you know, 722 plus years before we're talking about, um, 720 years earlier, um, they deported all of the Israelites of substance and settled the land with foreigners who intermarried with the surviving Israelites, which was against the law, and adhered to some of their ancient religions. After the exile of the southern kingdom in Babylon, Jews returning to their homeland viewed the Samaritans not only as children of political rebels, but as racial half-breeds whose religion was tainted by various unacceptable elements. About 400 B.C., the Samaritans erected a rival temple on Mount Gerizim. So, so we have ethnic, racial, and religious issues here that, make, uh, that made Jews feel disdain for Samaritans. They were ceremonially unclean. So by the law, they were unclean. You were to avoid them. They were ra uh, racially impure. They were religiously heretical, and therefore they were avoided. So there were two routes. Jesus could have taken either one of the routes. One of the routes avoided uh, the Samaritans completely. Uh, Jesus could have chosen that route, and yet John said Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Jesus had to pass through Samaria. And while the text the text only says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria, and, and it doesn't tell us why. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe the why is that Jesus was responding to the leading of his Father. Jesus was led by the Spirit, and being led by the Spirit, Jesus followed the Spirit. Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. Jesus was following the Father as he followed the Spirit. 
In a moment, we'll read that Jesus not only went through Samaria, but at a crucial point as he was traveling, he would send all of his disciples for food while he stopped for water all alone. I believe this too was an act of obedience. The Spirit led Jesus, and Jesus followed the Holy Spirit. Now, hear me on this. Like over and over in the New Testament, we do read that. We read that in the Gospels that Jesus followed the Spirit, that Jesus only did what the Father told him to do, that the Spirit led Jesus. The same Spirit that led Jesus is the Spirit that now indwells every one of us as believers. Amen? We have that same Spirit, and that same Spirit that spoke to Jesus speaks to us as his followers. We too are led by the Spirit. Jesus was obedient to the leading of the Spirit, so much so that John says Jesus had to pass through Samaria. So let's keep going. Jesus was obedient. Here's the second thing that I want us to see. Jesus was also very thoughtful. Jesus was also very thoughtful. Um, What I mean by this is that Jesus thought and planned for the encounter that the Holy Spirit was leading him to. Uh, Jesus didn't just make it up as he went. Jesus considered all of the details. Look at verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So we pause here again. Jesus has sent the disciples for food, all of them. Jesus sent all of the disciples for food. So it is Jesus alone at the well. Jesus goes to Jacob's well, and he's actually sitting on the well itself. He's there in the heat of the day, the sixth hour. It was, this was the heat of the day. Now, that, that, that may be important because many suggest that women would go to the well either early in the morning before it got too hot or late in the afternoon, again, when it had cooled down. That's when they went to the well for water, unless you were an outcast, unless you were someone that everyone else looked down on and you wanted to avoid all of the people who were in the town, all of the other women as they were coming for water. Then you would go in the heat of the day because no one else would be there. It is possible that Jesus chose this time and Jesus chose this well for just this reason. Jesus' words as he is speaking to the woman, Jesus' words are, 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 are very intentional. The words that he says to her have been, have been thought out. Give me a drink, he says. Now, it seems simple enough, but again, we're talking about Jesus, a Jew and a Samaritan. He was a Jew. She was an unclean Samaritan. He wasn't asking if he could get a drink from the well for himself. He was asking this unclean woman, right, to be avoided. Unclean would make him unclean. And yet Jesus is asking this unclean woman if she would fetch water for him. 
And since he didn't have anything to, to get the water himself, he wasn't there with a jar or a bucket. He was asking if, if he could drink from hers. And that was unheard of. One of the comparisons that I read was this would be like a, a racist person in the South asking someone not of the same color as them to drink a glass of water together. Unheard of. It did not go unnoticed by her. How is it that you ask this of me, a Samaritan? Now, if we had more time this afternoon, we could continue and we could dissect everything that Jesus said to this woman and we could talk about how incredibly thoughtful and intentional that it was. We, we don't have time, so we will keep going. But listen, as we read these verses, think about the words that Jesus uses. Think about the things that Jesus is doing here. All of it thoughtful and intentional. But, but let's get to this. Jesus talked with her and Jesus shared the gospel. Jesus shared the good news with her. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus came declaring, John says, Matthew says, we read it in all the gospels, Jesus came declaring the good news of the kingdom. The good news that the kingdom of God that had been promised in the Old Testament was at hand. Repent and believe for, for the kingdom is at hand. The good news was that he, Jesus, was the king and the king was present. The one who had been promised throughout the Old Testament by all of the prophets had finally come and it was Jesus. Now we talked about the importance of this good news. The importance of this good news is this, you know, when we believe in who Jesus is and what he has done, then our sins are forgiven and his righteousness is granted to us as our own. Through faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are saved. We are forgiven. We are made children of God forevermore. We, we must have the good news in order for that to happen. Are you with me? Romans chapter 10, if you weren't here that week. We must have the good news of the gospel and believe the good news of the gospel in order for Christ's righteousness to become ours, in order for us to be forgiven and made children of the Most High God. Now, for Jesus, he was telling people, I am the king and I have come. This good news was still to be believed. And believing the good news that the kingdom had come, that the king was there, is what, again, saved those people. Jesus is proclaiming the good news. And what I want to remind you of is that we are also called to proclaim the good news to those around us. Amen? That was weak. I just, I just want to make sure you believe it. Thank you. Look at verse 10 with me. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is sharing the gospel with her. That's what Jesus is doing. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? 
He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking, the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Man, how powerful. I who speak to you am he. I am am he, Jesus says. I am the promised one. I, I am the Messiah that you speak of. I am the Messiah that the prophets spoke of. The the one that you know is coming, that's me, Jesus is saying. I I am the one who gives eternal life. I am the one who saves. And when you take of this water, when you take of the living water, your soul will never thirst again. When you know who I am and you believe in in what I will do, your soul will well up with springs of water and you will be satisfied forevermore. Woman, I have good news for you, Jesus is saying. Verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. Do you see what happened? Salvation came to Samaria, and it started with a drink, a simple drink of water. She believed. And then she went through the village and the surrounding area, inviting others as well to come and meet the man who told her everything about herself. Come and meet the man. Is he the Christ? 
Could he be the promised one? Come and meet him. And they, they came, and when they, when they came, many more believed, we read, not because of what she said, but because of what he said. Many more believed that he was the one. Many more believed that he was the promised one, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of God's people. Jesus shared the good news with them, and they believed. Jesus got thirsty. How simple is that? Jesus got thirsty, and and very thoughtfully and very intentionally, Jesus used his thirst and the thirst of a Samaritan woman, knowing that she would be coming to the well for water as well. He used that as part of his mission. Part of his mission. God's mission, the mission of redemption and reconciliation. We, we should learn from Jesus. This, what we see Jesus doing, this is what good missionaries do. Good missionaries take advantage of every opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. That's what good missionaries do. Jesus had to go through Samaria had to go through Samaria. And as he went, he went thoughtfully and he went intentionally about the everyday rhythm of his life and her life. Jesus had to go through Samaria because I think it was the Father's Spirit urging him in that direction. Jesus took advantage of of not only his thirst, but the need of every human being for water. Intentionally and thoughtfully, he went there to engage. Intentionally and and thoughtfully, even the time that he went to the well, who would be there was intentional thoughtful. He he was intentional with her, intentional to show her that salvation was not there just for the Jews, that that the truth was he, he, only because he was, was Jesus, was he better than her, but not because he was a Jew. Jews were not better in reality than the Samaritans, and that's what he's saying. He was intentional to to show her that salvation was offered to her that day as well, even as a sinful Samaritan. Intentional to include her. Not just a Samaritan, but a a Samaritan who was a sinner. A Samaritan who who was, was probably disdained by the people in her own village because of the life that she had lived. Intentional intentional to include her, intentional in his words to her, intentional in how he came. I know the text doesn't say it, but I believe very much that Jesus sent all of the other disciples for food so that he could go alone. It was likely the only way this conversation would have taken place if Jesus went alone, intentional to not scare her away. He was intentional in sharing the gospel with her. Listen to me. There is one gospel, and there, it, 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 there's a million ways that we can share it. Do, do, you, do you understand that? 
There's one gospel, the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There is an infinite number of ways that we can have that discussion with someone. Jesus was intentional with how he shared the gospel with her. Jesus shared the gospel with her in a way that she needed to hear, in a way that would connect with her, and it did. That, too, is what good missionaries do. As we have talked through this series, we have talked about the truth that you and I are missionaries, right? It's not just something that we do. It's, it's who we are. It's not a trip that we, we take once a year or we took once going somewhere far away. It's who we are. Some missionaries go to faraway places. Other missionaries are missionaries right where they are in their hometown. Jesus has called each of us to be his ambassadors, to plead with those around us that they should be reconciled to God in Christ just as we have been. Jesus has commissioned every one of us as believers to be disciples who make disciples as we go about our lives. That's what this is about. Jesus got thirsty as he was going through Samaria. A Samaritan woman came to the well just as she did every single day. So how can we be missionaries like Jesus? I know that people don't go to the well for water anymore, but listen to me. People do have everyday rhythms in their life, and you have everyday rhythms in your life. We all have routines and things that we regularly do. We, we all have things that we need to do, that we have to do. I mean, th this was a matter of, I don't know, like going to the grocery store for us. Every day she had to go for water. Every day this was a part of her Life. So the question then is, how can we become good missionaries in the rhythms of our life? So often we think that being on mission has to be something different than we're already doing. It's not. It's taking advantage of what we're already doing and the opportunities that God has already given us in our lives. So how can we become good missionaries like Jesus was? Here's the first one, pray. 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 Pray that the Lord would lead you by his spirit. I, I want to give you a secret. If you are a believer, he is already leading you by his spirit. So pray that you would listen. Pray that you would, would listen to the spirit, that you, would, that you would obey his leading. Pray. Pray for who? Pray for who it will be that you will get to share the gospel with. Pray for when it will be. Pray for the opportunity. Pray for the people around you that you already know who, who aren't connected to a church family or, or you know or at least suspect have no relationship with the Father. Pray for them. And pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And while you're praying, pray for the courage to follow through just as Jesus did. We got that one? What is it? Pray. Here's the second one, look. L look for people. 
Look for patterns in, in their lives. Look for patterns in your own life. A, a good missionary observes the world that they're in. Listen to me. I'm going to say it again. We are all missionaries. We're just not very good. Good missionaries observe the world that they are in. They are looking all the time at what's happening around them, at who is around them, at the people that God has all around them. They are looking for those opportunities. Do that as a good missionary. Observe the world around you. Does your neighbor go to the mailbox at the same time every day? You can do that too. Do they walk their dog at, at, at the same time each day? Right? Do they always come home from work and take their dog for a walk when they get home? Maybe that's a time when you could go and get your mail. An opportunity for you to, to strike up a conversation with your, with your neighbor, a chance to meet them if you haven't met them, a, a chance to maybe one day invite them to dinner or to the park or to miss your missional community or to church or to whatever. It's a chance to begin a conversation, a chance that might lead to a relationship, a chance that might lead to you sharing the good news of Jesus and seeing your neighbor saved. Do the same people work at the store that you frequent? Could you slow down just a little bit and talk with them? Do you work out? Do you work out in a gym somewhere? Are the same people there? Because usually people in a gym have a specific time that they go to the gym. If you are there, chances are you're seeing the same people there. These are the natural rhythms of your life. This is what we are talking about as you go, being on mission as you go, not loading your plate with 10,000 other things. Like Jesus, taking advantage of the opportunities that you have every single day. So pray, look, think, think, have a plan. Listen, your plan may change, that's okay. It may not happen exactly as you had planned for it to happen, but here is the truth. If you never think about it and you never have a plan to do it, you will not do it, right? If you don't think about it and pray about it and plan for it, then what's going to happen is you're going to leave here today and nothing in your life is going to change. Because that's just the way it works. So plan. Plan on observing your neighbors and, and plan on going to the mailbox at the same time that they do. Plan on what you might say, what questions you might ask, what, what simple thing that you could say to strike up conversation. Jesus was thoughtful in all that he did and all that he said. Listen, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus the best missionary that ever was, and, and plan on how you can be missional at the mailbox or walking the dog or at the gym or at the kids' game. And, and listen to me on this one too, okay? Make this a part of your missional community. Like, like talk about this with your missional community. 
If you're not sure of, of what you can do or what this might look like, make it a part of your missional community discussion because we're supposed to be on mission together, encouraging one another, right? Helping one another in the mission that Jesus has called us to. So, so, so do that. Share it with your missional community. Have them pray with you and pray for you. Have them offer suggestions to you. You are not alone in this. Pray, look, think, and then fourthly, act. Act. As the, as the Spirit hears your prayers and begins to work, you act. Act. This is the obedience that we saw in Jesus. Take the steps to go to the mailbox. Take the initiative and speak to your neighbor. Ask them a question or two to learn more about them. Act. Do something. Do something. Act. Act like Jesus did. Act like a missionary. Jesus used the everyday rhythms of life as rhythms for mission. I want you to understand this. He is calling us to do the same thing. That's what he's calling us to do. To, to be missionaries as we go about our lives, to use the everyday rhythms that are already, already a part of our lives. That's what he's calling us to do. This is what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. This is what it looks like. Jesus gives us the example of, of what it looks like to be a missionary in the everyday. So here's the question. I don't know what you need to do. I don't know how much you need to pray. I don't know if you're already praying. I, I don't know how observant you are. I, I don't know all of those things. But you do. And so the question then is, what will you do? Really, that's, that's the application. What will you do? What will you do with, with this? Will you be a missionary in the image of Jesus? Will you be a missionary in, in, the, in, the, in the every day of your life? I know I'm asking for a big commitment, so how about if I make it easier for us? And I said us. Can we just start with tonight? Can we just start with tonight and say, Lord, this is, this is what I want to do. I believe this is right. I, I, I want this. Can we, can we start with that tonight to say, yes, I want to be this. And, and, then, and then we just do those things. We pray. We pray. We, we, we look. We think. And we act. And who knows what God might do with that? Jesus was thirsty and he stopped for a drink of water. And he shared the good news with one woman. And with that, the gospel entered Samaria. Who knows what God will do with it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I, I, I pray that no one here um, <laughs> would leave discouraged but might leave encouraged. 
that you really have made this easy for us. Holy Spirit, I pray, I pray that you would do that work. I pray that, that there would be conviction where there needs to be conviction, but not condemnation. I pray that you would shape us to be the people that you would have us to be, people who, who look like Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, would, would take this, this simple idea and, and, and plant, plant a seed deep in our heart that grows. And I, 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 I pray, Father, I pray that it would be something that doesn't go away. Even in me, I pray that, that you would stir me again and again and again to be a missionary in the everyday, to take advantage of the opportunities that are, are, are there now. It, it, there is so much at stake in the lives of the people around us. Help us. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen.